0: You see, 75% of workforce that currently is working remotely is likely to not return to a physical workspace. This is based on some initial research that has been conducted by different companies and organizations, research-based organizations, where they are proposing that more and more people have realized they don't need to go into the office to be productive or communicate more effectively or to do their job, which has given increased flexibility in the workspace but it's also brought its own set of challenges. Hello, and welcome to the Evercoach podcast, the online destination for a coach that wants to create a positive impact in the world and make good money along the way. All good deeds should be well rewarded. You should be well rewarded. I'm your host, Ajit Nawalka. And every week, I'll bring you the world's best thinkers, coaches, trainers, to share some of their best ideas to solve real client problems, live a prosperous life, and be an even better version of ourselves. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of the coach podcast. And I am really excited to share with you what we're going to talk about today. You see, In the recent times, and especially in 2020 and now in 2021, while the world is opening up, there is so many changes that has happened in the workplace that more and more coaches are being asked to show up and support the communities inside an organization. Internal coaches are asked to upgrade their skills to be able to support narratives that are new and unknown To what people have experienced in the past. So it's a very interesting place for a coach to be in because A, there is so much more opportunity, B, there's also so much new skill that is required to be ready for this opportunity that is coming up on the daily basis. It is so fascinating. In the past few months, we've received several emails as ever coach to come in to organizations, train internal coaches, or to be able to support conversations where somehow companies can bring in external coaches to help their greater staff. So, not just the executive team, but teams within the organization. And this is increasingly happening because more and more companies are realizing that they are not equipped to be able to support the change that is happening globally around the world. You see, 75% of workforce that currently is working remotely is likely to not return to a physical workspace. This is based on some initial research that has been conducted by different companies and organizations, research-based organizations, where they are proposing that more and more people have realized they don't need to go into the office to be productive or communicate more effectively or to do their job, which has given increased flexibility in the workspace, but has also brought its own set of challenges. Previously, When you were in a workplace, you had camaraderie, you had balance. When a new person joined the team, you celebrated the person, you could sit with the person, you could have conversations that were beyond work conversations. You see, a company is nothing more than a group of individuals agreeing to a common goal and a common endeavor. And because of that, very often you need organizations to come together as a human body, not just as a set of processes that are being run. And that was much more easier to do with what a cooler chats, with people actually coming into an office and interacting personally with each other. But as we've gone more and more into Microsoft Teams and Zoom calls, it has become more difficult for team members to interact beyond work-related conversations, which is taking away their ability to be able to build better teams, build better communication, have more camaraderie, And it also doesn't really help that they're at home all the time because of which they're always interacting with the same energy that is around them. Their families, their loved ones, their kids, whatever it may be. So working from home may seem like a novel idea and most people were able to adapt to it. Over time, it has its own set of negative consequences, consequences that are unforeseen, consequences that are not understood very well. One of the big trends that we are seeing in companies and organizations and with people, especially the high-performing individuals within the organization, are finding it harder and harder to learn how to stop working. Yeah, it's it's a very unique problem that has been reported by many companies where their top performers are actually exhausting their faculties by overworking because they're at home, they don't have a clear boundary of a clock in, clock out time. They don't have a clear boundary of now I'm home and I shouldn't be working and spending time with my kids because their workplace is at the same place as their home. This has become a really big problem. High performers are exhausting their faculties, are experiencing more burnout and more stress than what they were when they were going to a workplace. This also happens because Imagine this, when you were going to a workplace, when you were going into your office, you had downtime, you drove to work or walked to work. There was a 10, 20, 30 minutes, sometimes an hour of you just having time with yourself in your car while driving to work or coming back from work. You had time to socialize with other individuals on the team while you were taking a lunch break or while you were having a coffee, while you were walking between meetings. You had time to decompress and take some time away for yourself. But as we are working from home, now it feels like that we are always available because we are not going into a meeting. There is no walk from your room to the meeting room. There's no drive from your home to office. And that actually has become a real problem and a real challenge because individuals are always working. So this is creating real problems for companies and coaches like yourself, who's listening to this podcast right now, is required to show up with new set of tools that individuals can use between the coaching sessions. You see, a coach cannot make themselves available at all times, whereas the emotional trauma or the emotional challenge of such circumstances that is happening at workplace is happening all the time. So there is a big possibility where a leader or even a team member of the company may be in emotional distress for days at end, but not realize that they are in emotional distress. You see, when our bodies are physically under distress, when we get a cut or we get hurt, we can feel the pain. When our body is in emotional distress, there is no way to really feel the pain. But our brain processes physical pain or emotional pain as the same it actually wires and puts our brain into the same kind of defense mechanism, same kind of stress that a physical pain would. Now imagine what would that do to your brain? Imagine as if you had um, some stomachache and that stomachache wouldn't go away like ever. Like you always have stomachache or your hand is always hurting and it never goes away or your ears are ringing and they never go away that would be a lot of stress to you, right? You'll be frustrated, you'll be annoyed, and you will go make this physical pain go away. But we don't experience that with emotional pain. We don't know how to regulate that, but our brain does. Our brain gets into the same state of distress, of challenge, of uh, of concern as it would as if it was a physical pain. Now, if you stay in that pain for a really, really long time, your brain's chemistry might change because you're constantly in pain. You're just not realizing it right? So we need to show our clients how to regulate their emotions to be able to get out of that pain as quickly as possible, even if we are not available, which would be the case a lot of the times. Because as coaches, like I said, you're getting increasingly busy. There's more and more need in the marketplace. And so you will always be busy. So now you need to equip yourself to show your clients how to really manage their states a little bit better, by themselves. So I'm going to show some tools to you that you can use in your coaching practice that you can use to be able to help your clients regulate their emotions a little bit better. I'm going to show you three tools. But before I show you the tools, let me share with you how emotions get generated. It's pretty straightforward. There's something that happens in our life, a circumstance, an event, uh, somebody said something, you said something, something happens. And because of that, we have an emotional response because we start thinking about things in a particular way. So, for example, it may be that uh, your wife said something to you or your husband said something to you. You start making meaning out of whatever they said, and now you have an emotional response, right? So that's really how an emotion is created. And once we understand how emotion is created, now we'll learn how to really regulate it for ourselves, for our clients, as a tool that we can give to other people that they can use to regulate their own emotions. The first tool that we're going to talk about is called emotional distancing. Emotional distancing is basically taking any emotion and distancing it, distancing yourself from it and looking at it as if it was a third person looking at that event. This tool basically requires you to take step away from the current situation that you might be. And this might not be super easy to make it a habit, but as we bring awareness and as we constantly remind our clients and ourselves that this is something that they can do, in time, it'll become a habit, right? The first thing thing is to bring awareness to the tool, and that's what I'm doing here and you should do with your clients, is to say, whenever you are in an emotional frenzy, you're feeling distressed, or you are able to spot that you're frustrated, angry, or any of such emotions, step away from the emotion and look at the event as if it was a third person watching it. Let's take the example of your husband or your wife saying something to you. Now, when they say something to you, because you make meaning of that saying, because you start thinking and come up with stories around what they said, you rile yourself up with emotions. Now, if you watch this event as a third person where you are not you and your husband or your partner or your wife is not your husband, partner, or wife, now you're looking at that event as, a, as if you're watching a movie. And because you're watching a movie, you can distance yourself emotionally from what's happening at the scene. This allows you to have a, a third-person perspective, which ideally would also show you that there are two sides to any story. And because there's two sides to any story, you can see the lens of the person that caused that um, event in your life or caused that emotion for you actually was going through their own emotion and going through their own circumstances. And they couldn't really do anything more than what they did at that moment. And They didn't really mean to hurt you, but they were experiencing their own life in the way they were experiencing at the time. And because of that, you will be able to distance yourself from it and not feel the emotion in the same intensity as you would if you were a part of the story. This also has psychological benefits, which psychologists prove that if you would remove yourself from such a situation and look at it pragmatically, usually you are able to regulate your emotions significantly better and you're able to regulate what you're thinking significantly better. So first tool is emotional distancing. Distance yourself from what is what just happened and look at it as a third person. This will allow you to regulate your emotions. It'll allow your clients to be able to regulate their emotions. It's a little bit hard to do because it does require some practice. The second tool I want to give you is called the positive future because the positive future exercise gets you out of your current state of mind and gets you to look at how the future may look like. You see, there's a very popular quote. I'm sure you've heard it before, but the quote says something like this. If in five years it wouldn't matter, don't give it more than five minutes of thinking. And this is actually true. It's a real thing. If it is not going to matter in five years, there's no reason for you to think about it for more than five minutes. And here's what happens. When you look at your future, look at the current event, current emotion that you're experiencing, and you say, how would this reflect in my life in five years from now? Does that impact my life in five years from now? You will see that the amount of emotional anxiety or emotional intensity that you're experiencing would significantly mellow down because most things don't matter five years from now. Most things can be changed in five years from now. Most events don't have significant consequences in five years from now, which allows you to be able to completely regulate what you're experiencing in the moment and project it into the future as something that is inconsequential and hence should be ignored, and you can move on with your life and create a new circumstance for you almost immediately, as soon as this realization really settles into your body. Again, the first step would be to be able to recognize that you're experiencing that emotion, right? But once you've recognized it, if you map it out for five years, how does this event really impact me in five years? How does this uh, emotional state really impact me in five years? You will most certainly calm down and you will be able to see that it does not really have that much impact as you may have imagined. Now let's get into the third strategy. Now, the third strategy will also help you practice strategy number one and two that we already discussed. The third strategy is to learn how to observe your emotions. Every day, wake up with the intention of how are you feeling? most of us make the classic mistake of not labeling what are we really feeling. Are we feeling frustrated or we are angry? Are we disappointed in something or we are excited about something? We experience a lot of emotions, but because we don't use the vocabulary that is available to define emotions, we tend to label most of our emotions as some of the top ones like anger, frustrated, happy, joyous, very simple emotions. We tend to label all our emotions that way. And because of that, we become less aware of what is truly happening for us. And when we are not fully aware of what is truly happening for us, it becomes a little difficult to actually spot it and then actually resolve it using strategy one and strategy two. So the third strategy is to increase your vocabulary of emotions and then to spot and label it. Spot every time you feel an emotion and write down what did you feel. So you can label it correctly. And once you have labeled it correctly, you will see either strategy one will be useful, which is emotional distancing, or strategy two would be useful, which is positive future. So you could use either of those two strategies once you have labeled your emotions really, really accurately. So that's the third strategy, which is to actually maintain how and what triggers emotions in you, what are these emotions, and then use one other strategy to resolve it. Now, in time, you will find that you or your clients can use these three strategies pretty frequently to resolve most of the short-term emotions that you're experiencing. And hence, what your job as a coach really becomes is to help them build more capabilities and resolve emotions that are hard to resolve from these simple strategies. Now, emotions is a huge topic in itself, and you can learn a lot about how to resolve emotions if you joined us at Certified Business Coach Programme. I know, you might be wondering, it's a certified business coach program. How and why do you deal with emotions? Well, because we know through experience that companies are companies, but they are a function of a lot of humans coming together and human beings experience emotions, which means when you're working with companies, a lot of times you'll be dealing with emotions. In Certified Business Coach, we dedicate a whole module, a whole week on emotional mastery. And our students have suggested that that one module has changed their own way of dealing with emotions and their team's way of dealing with emotions if they were team leaders, and also their client's way of dealing with emotions if they were working with clients. So that module alone might change the way you deal with emotions and help your clients. If you're interested in learning more about what else we cover in Certified Business Coach, go ahead and find the link below in the show notes. You can also go over to evercoach.com CBC and all the details are listed there. Certified Business Coach has a net promoter score of 82. Just to give you context, iPhone has a net promoter score of 67. And 67 is considered outrageously great. That means people absolutely love, find it useful, and think that is a must-have. Certified Business Coach has that same score at 82, which makes it really proud because this is one of our highest-rated programs, but it also shows you how powerful this program can be for you and for your clients. So I really encourage you to go check out evercoach.com slash CBC. We are enrolling currently. So it'll be amazing for you to give it a look and see if it is right for you. And if it is, I would love to see you inside Certified Business Coach. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Go ahead, subscribe if you haven't yet subscribed because we release amazing episodes like this one every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is Ajit Navlaka, and you are listening to this on the Evercoach podcast. I'm your host, Ajit Navlaka, and every week on the Evercoach podcast, I will bring the world's best thinkers, coaches, trainers to share some of their best ideas to solve real client problems, live a prosperous life, and be an even better version of ourselves.